It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Door Report is back. You are listening live to another episode of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. And welcome back into The Door Report. It is episode 34, broadcasting live here on a Monday night, September 7th. And we're always brought to you by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the the head boss, that's Jimmy Alaco. That's Jimmy Alaco at Comcast.net. They are located right up there in Nashville, well, where uh, my co-host Will Byram is right now. Nashville, Tennessee, 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring, perfect floors, whatever your style. Will, we're back and better than ever with another episode. It's episode 34. We're uh, we're making some headway here on, on the Door Report uh, episodes where, you know, the mark has been, uh, has been set high. We're going to keep going. And with football inching ever so closer, Will, we're uh, going to be joined by former record-breaking Vanderbilt running back and current Vanderbilt uh, color commentator Norman Jordan uh, to conclude this podcast. So we had a great conversation with him, Will, and uh, you know we're looking forward to, to getting it going here with the Doorport again. Yeah, inching ever so closer to <laughs> the start of college football, and that conversation with Norman was really great. And it, it was almost we made the comment afterwards. We talked to him for a few minutes after the interview. Uh, we stopped recording that interview and. Said we might have to get him back on and get him get him to start telling some of those stories yeah. he was telling us after. <laughs> yeah, he, he started uh, telling us some pretty good ones. Right. Yeah, he had some recording. golden uh, comments on Jay Cutler. I wish we could recover that <laughs> from the Zoom, but uh, but yeah, we're, we'll talk to Norman Jordan here coming up on the Door Report. But before we get to the breaking news, as always, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Will, it's time for the breaking news. Breaking news presented by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who's a Metro National Firefighter. Living in West Mead, the Recycling Dudes recognized the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every need and every budget, starting as low as $10 per month. All you need, all you have to do is sign up on their website at recyclingdudes.com. All right, Will, let's hop right into it. Lane Kiffin, obviously, is the head coach at Ole Miss right now. He had an interesting uh, statement that he made on the Pat McAfee show, and uh, he said if the SEC were supposed to play this weekend, two coaches – apparently said they would be unable to field a team. Interesting quote uh, from a guy like Lane Kiffin, who is known for his quotes. It seemed like he's 
you know, once every two weeks, there's a new Kiffin quote. But, you know, you know, Will, Labor Day weekend was supposed to be the beginning of the football season with a monster slate of games highlighted by Bama and USC at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. But uh, obviously the coronavirus had other uh, plans that changed when the Big 12, ACC and SEC all uh, you know, they're starting their seasons later in September with the Big Ten and Pac-12 postponing all fall sports together. And again, the Pat McAfee show is, you know, they've got great content and they got another great quote here from Lane Kiffin. Let's uh, let's take a listen. What have been the protocols to, and what have you guys learned that that won't happen? Because I feel like that is still a thought that me as an outsider who's not in the building kind of thinks because you see what happened to the Marlins in the Marlins situation where they got 22 people got in. That's allegedly because of two guys making one mistake and then it kind of spreading rather quickly. What is the, the, the protocols that is like, Hey, if one person gets it, let's make sure that everybody else doesn't get it. Because I think from the outside looking in, I assume that was the case as well, which is what you guys thought before you got into the protocols. Yeah, they're still going back and forth on that. As of now, um, you know, if you, if you have a contact, you know, that they deem that you had, you know, too much time within six feet, you know, you're shut down for 14 days. And so we're going through that now, you know, we'll get, we'll get a test in the back in the morning and, you know, a safety will be down and then they'll talk to him and talk to the people around him and shut down two or three more. You got practice in an hour. So, you know, this isn't a hundred percent, you know, we still got a ways to go to, to get through this because there are some teams right now in the SEC, um, you know, I heard from two coaches today that there's no way they could play if they had a game this week. There you have it. Lane Kiffin with the, with the monster quote there. He said, this isn't 100%. We still got a ways to go. There's a couple of teams that couldn't even field uh, a full team, Will, uh, this weekend if, if they were to play. And, and I believe him. There could be even more uh, that, that, that might not be able to field a team. And will you know we we've been it's funny we've been speculating in our group chat and and it's uh, you know it could happen we're lucky it's it's not starting this weekend. Yeah, we we were kind of talking about it just completely speculative and and we even heard that quote and kind of assumed that one of those teams is Vanderbilt because yeah they've been in the news two separate times for having outbreaks of positive COVID tests but then the news was released with Tennessee having having to cancel their scrimmage due to forty four players being unable to participate. Yeah. We, we kind of started thinking about it and maybe Vanderbilt is being a lot more public with the issues they've been having with, with COVID-19 because we hadn't really heard much about Tennessee having issues. Um, and then all of a sudden they have 44 players being unable to participate due to positive tests, contact tracing, things like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe there are some teams that are having issues that just have kept it a lot more under wraps than Vanderbilt. And it's not Vanderbilt is one of those two teams that, that would be unable to participate according to Lane Kiffin. So, this will be something really interesting to follow uh, leading up to the season because, uh -huh. I mean, you could have a team that's heavily favored and then all of a sudden eight of their 22 starters are out due to contact tracing positive COVID-19 tests. So it's quite the unique scenario that, that we find ourselves in. Yeah, just, I mean, such an unprecedented season. You never know when, like you mentioned, a, a big-time quarterback or, or a couple receivers or, you know, some big-time D linemen, like like a game like A&M. You know, if A&M comes up with some contact tracing leading into that game with a couple big D linemen, that could affect the game. That could, you know, that could give Vanderbilt a little bit of an edge and make it a closer game. So it's just so unprecedented. And Will, I, I agree. I, I think Vanderbilt very well could have been one of one of those two teams, and it could be even more than two teams right now with all of the the protocols going on in college football. You know, revolving this pandemic, it's 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 just so it's so unheard of. You know, to to have a situation like this. So again, we'll we'll continue to monitor this, Will, and 
And again, with Lane Kiffin, uh, I, I believe him, don't you? I mean, he's 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 the he's the type of guy to to you know he say he's talked to two coaches, you know that I believe him. So, and again, we'll also continue to monitor the uh, the attendance situation with Vanderbilt. They've yet to announce uh, an attendance plan, right, Will? At, mm-hmm. at Vanderbilt. Yeah, yeah, we've been trying to reach out to as many contexts as we have as possible. And right now it seems like it's a lot less that the university has has necessarily a plan that they're they're hiding from the public. And, you know, Vanderbilt's facing unique situations being in by far the largest, the, the really only metropolitan, true metropolitan area that an SEC school is located in. So there, there's a lot more politics associated yeah. with being in a larger city. And it, it just may take Vanderbilt a little bit longer to really get a plan in place to to for attendance and and whatever that may end up being whether there's any fans in the stands or full limited capacity and a lot of it right now with vanderbilt i mean they just they, they have a they have a brand new chancellor brand new athletic director essentially brand new athletic director a lot of people new on the job so again they're trying to figure their way out um, of this of this type of situation and and just like all of us we're trying to get out of this this uh, pandemic unscathed and 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 get to a football season where they're could poss- potentially be fans in the stadium because it's even at Vanderbilt it's better with fans. <laughs> you know, Norman Jordan talked about it. You know, we'll, we'll we'll show that part of of that interview. But you know, he talks about it. it's a, a little bit embarrassing with with Vanderbilt's uh, the opponent's fans taking over the stadium. But again, I, I right now I miss that. Sounds weird, but I miss mm-hmm. just having those fans in the stadium. And 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 uh, I'm sure you agree and everyone else. So again, we will monitor both the the COVID protocols, the attendance situation, and uh, you know we'll potentially figure out if Vanderbilt has fans in the stadium coming week two against LSU. Well, we'll continue to roll on here, Jerry Stackhouse. Is uh, is continuing his Twitter uh, tricks with, with with the fans and with with some of the the coaching rumors that that we uh, that we discussed last week on the podcast. Uh, we mentioned that rumors had been swirling around about mutual interest between Coach Stack and the New Orleans Pelicans uh, regarding the vacant head coaching job there. But uh, will you want to talk to give us a little recap of of the tweets uh, that uh, from Fitch, please, and then and then Coach Stackhouse because yeah. they were. Uh, it, it was it was it was a treat last uh, few days ago, right? Yeah, you had a Fitch um, Twitter account that that's kind of a parody. It's the Todd Fitch who runs it, but it's yeah, it's the same guy that that runs these accounts, and he just continuously uh, changed it from Vanderbilt offensive coordinator to coordinator. Yeah, it's not actually um, Todd Fitch, though. Yeah, not actually Todd Fitch, but um, that account tweeted just checking in at Jerry Stackhouse. Stackhouse, we good? And Stackhouse <laughs> quoted that tweet and said, "Fitch, please." <laughs> we get over on the West End. The Vanderbilt men's basketball team has moved to the top of the 2021 SEC recruiting rankings. Vanderbilt, now the 20th ranked class in 2021 in the country. Insert anchor down emojis. <laughs> hashtag noise versus facts. So like we mentioned last week, I, would, I, I think I put it on a 4 or 4.5 out of 5 yeah. uh, of concern level. Where are you at now, Will? Because, yeah, now I'm more down to like a 1.5. Because <laughs> the, the big thing is, Stackhouse didn't have to do anything and address that. Yeah. So if, if he did have yeah. the interest in the Pelicans, I understand he could have put out this tweet to preserve some of that recruiting class that he's referring to that, mm-hmm. that's actually very highly ranked. But he didn't have to put out anything like that. Yeah, he went he went out of his way to do that. You know, he was and, really seriously considering it. So yeah. 
that is nice to see. But, you know, we are a little bit scarred from Franklin constantly saying that he wasn't leaving and then yeah. leaving nonetheless. So I, I'm still a little bit concerned because the fit feels right for mm-hmm. Stackhouse to jump to the NBA in that position. Um, it feels like something that could happen, but but that that reassurance does does feel nice. Yeah, that. that's that's a step in the right direction. You know, we've been talking about a lot of steps in the right direction with with the athletic program. We'll we'll even talk about uh, Daniel Deermeyer a little bit uh, here in a little bit. But I mean, yeah, I, I like we were both concerned. Will I mean, looking back at the last podcast and and now you know a week later, we're I'm I'm really not as concerned because of the tweak. Because Stackhouse is he's a he's a He's a forward guy. He's a forward-thinking guy. He's 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 very blunt. You know, he's blunt in person. He's 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 pretty much the same person that he is in on social media, also. So I mean, he he puts it like it is. And and again, I'm with you. I, I, the concern level has gone way down because, and he he did he didn't have to do that, as he said. Looking at at, at so, the the landscape of social media, there's not many college coaches that'll go out and do that. And 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 since he did, he took the time to. I mean, that was a long tweet. I mean, he explained it. He said the Vanderbilt men's basketball team has moved to the top of the 2021 SEC recruiting rankings, and they're now 20th ranked uh, in the country. Uh, And he stated that's a fact. Um, You know, so they're at the top of the SEC in recruiting. And, and, uh, you know, he says we're all good over here on the West End. So with Coach Stack, that's that's really nothing. And and it's nothing, nothing we haven't seen yet from him. And we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to Daniel Deem right here in a second, but from the, from your point of view as a Vanderbilt fan with Stackhouse, is, is that is his Twitter? Or do you think his Twitter antics are too much at times, or or is it is it more of a, a reassurance, of, or just his simple way of, of saying, look, you know, I'm I'm here to stay. I, I personally love the Twitter antics, having because I mean, not to, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, not not to be a downer on Vanderbilt, but you you're never going to have the recognition of a, a traditional blue blood program, whether it even though the basketball programs traditionally had more success than the football program. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to have somebody that has a splash. Um, you're going to have to have somebody that draws the attention, draws the eyes to Vanderbilt. The eyes aren't just on you at all times. So I personally love it. I can see why if you're an old school fan, yeah. you're not a huge fan of it. But I, I think it's a good look. I, the guys that he's recruiting and the guys and the, and the younger generation of fans are on social media. So yeah. him being very active on there and making some of these splash posts, I, I personally think it, it's a good thing for the program. I, I think it is too. I think I think there's a line, you know, that you, that you have to kind of draw as a coach on, on social media, and and I, I I don't think he's crossed it, you know. I mean, even with the the banter with with Jeff Goodman, J- Goodman was going back with him. So um, obviously, you know, it it, it I've heard people, you know, talk about how kind of his lack of, of 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 some focus maybe on social media. I don't think so. I mean, he's he's coming into year two. He's still a young. He's a fairly young coach, and and compared to a lot of the SEC coaches, so um, you know, he's he's still learning. He he's still you know getting the feel of 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 a college coaching gig. So uh, we'll see. I I like I said like I said you know multiple times. I, I back Stackhouse. I know I know. You know, you you've been a little bit slower on that, but it, you know we we've 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 come to agree that that you know he's here to stay and 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 he's the guy. So um, again, we'll, we'll we're hoping for for some more Twitter banter with uh, with Stackhouse here coming up um, in the uh, you know leading up to this season. But we're gonna roll on here, wrap up the breaking news segment before we talk to Norman Jordan with some interesting news uh, coming out of last week uh, from the Commodore Hour, a brand new. Uh, show on 102.5 The Game with Joe Fisher, the voice of the Commodores. And 
Vanderbilt Chancellor Daniel Deermeyer will had some amazing uh, things to say. He said, in quote, we're fully committed to athletics. And uh, continuing that, he said, I am new to this. So I've, I've heard this, too, about the thought that the university doesn't care about athletics. Um, continued quote, I'm not going to talk about the past and what was there. We're fully committed to athletics. We're fully committed. I think a successful athletics program is an enormous asset to a university. This is a great university. We need to have a great athletics program. That is that. The idea that this is some kind of afterthought or we're not paying attention to that is certainly not how I'm thinking about it. And will that, that's that's pretty encouraging from you know a, a guy that that you know isn't even from America. He he he's come over to Vanderbilt and 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 really um, you know uh, I mean that that's a convincing statement to a lot of people. Um, I will yeah. say I'm not all in quite yet because I I don't even know the guy. He he hasn't been here. You know he's has it even been a year yet? You know I'm I mean he's. He, he just got on the job. But again, Will, like we've said, this is another step in the right direction. It's almost like the Vanderbilt Athletics program has has a flight of stairs they got to get to. And and they're at, you know, like step three or four right now. And they're, they're getting there. Uh, but in terms of, of competing at an elite level across all three major sports, that's another step in the right direction, I'd say. Yeah, normally I would I would just go ahead and completely call BS on those statements. So, but when you really start digging into it, because we've heard promises of commitment to athletics in the past, and really outside of commitment to the baseball program after having success already, there there really has never been steps in that direction. But no. uh, we've never heard statements like that from Zeppos, who was here previously from 2008 to 2019. I mean, he I never mean, he was never, like statements like he never that. came out of his bunker i mean he he would yeah, not yeah. he would never talk to the media and then Deermeyer, who just as an interesting little tidbit of information he was also he was a professor at both stanford and northwestern previously so yeah. if there are ever two schools to model success in athletics after it's number one stanford number two northwestern mm-hmm. in power five conferences high academic pedigree and they've and Stanford specifically has had a lot of football success, but Northwestern has also experienced quite a bit of more commitment, a lot, yeah, um, and success than Vanderbilt. So, I, it it is. I am optimistic. I'm not getting my hopes completely up, but I am optimistic about it because the the track record of Deermeyer and where he has been, he's seen what a good athletic program can do for a university that also has top academic pedigree. Yeah. So it, it is really nice to see those statements and then look into his employment history and see that, you know, things are actually starting to add up where these statements might not just be um, a load of hot air that he's blowing to get some, get some heat off of his back. Yeah, I mean, the, the resume is there, Will. I mean, he has, like you said, Stanford, Northwestern, you know, all he's got left to complete that is Duke. I mean, those are the, yeah. two, those are the two legit um, academically – uh, you know, just strong academic programs with with some legit football programs. You know, basketball also solid programs too. But football is what we're talking about here in terms of committing to athletics. I mean, let's face it. You know, they're committed to baseball. They are they are committed to basketball. Look at Stackhouse and his recruiting. He's committed, and 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 according to his Twitter account, he's here to stay. You know, they're good on the West End football. What, you, know, you know, we don't know. Yeah, the, what, the big thing has been the, the commitment level to have a competitive baseball or basketball program is so significantly less than yeah. the commitment required to have a truly competitive football program. So, so essentially able to do just enough in baseball and basketball, but you can't half step towards committing to football. You're, yeah. you're in or you're out. Yeah. Um, and right now they, they've been out for the past 
30, 40 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and I, 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 you're right. I, I can't remember a time, as you mentioned, Will, with with uh, Zeppos. I mean, did he ever say, did, did that quote ever come out of his mouth, we are fully committed to athletics? I, 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 I really don't think so. So when you look at this situation, I, I, I do think it's it's a nice step in the right direction. But until we see action, I don't think we need to get uh, too pumped about it, about really anything. Uh, because, I mean, look, look at what Candace Story Lee, um, and I don't know how long ago the um, the strategic plan was announced. But, yeah. I mean, that was a load of BS. I, yeah, I don't think anything got done. started on the, on the strategic plan. It was, it was legitimately a strategic plan to create a strategic plan. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was nothing substantial. It was more of we're going to create. The, it's, it's we're going to make a, nice a plan. We're, we're going to make we're a plan gonna, sometime. Yeah, we're going to do so much for these students. We'll get back to you. We're gonna do, yeah, we're going to be the best. But all right, you read this for now. And then <laughs> hopefully you forget about it. And you won't actually yeah, read it. read these three full pages and uh, we'll get yeah. back to you soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and I, I haven't seen anything since. You know, I, yeah, maybe much. maybe you know some quotes here and there from from Story Lee, but um, again, I, I'm not I'm not being trying to be negative, Nancy, with with Candace Lee, but I I really I got to see more. You know, we have to we and I think I know you agree. Well, we got to see more, but Deermeyer here saying we're fully committed is is uh, it's definitely a step in the uh, in the right direction. And, and and again, I get sick of saying that, but with Vanderbilt football, that that's what they need. And, and, and like you said, well, they got to be fully committed uh, to this program if they want to be up there with, with just Ole Miss. I mean, they're not even, they're in the basement right now. They are, uh, they've been in the basement the past couple years. We'll see how, see if they can crawl their way out of it somehow this year. Um, but again, we'll talk more about the football program, the state of the program with Norman Jordan. He is the current Vanderbilt football color analyst alongside Joe Fisher in the booth. We'll also talk about a little bit of his career, go into uh, comparing uh, the two eras of when he played and then what's going on right now with the, with the coronavirus and, and how unprecedented it is for Coach Mason. Will, can't wait for this one. Again, coming up next, we got Norman Jordan here on The Door Report. Our guest now here on The Door Report is Norman Jordan. He now serves as the color analyst for Vanderbilt football games alongside Joe Fisher. You can listen to those games on 93.3 FM and 8.30 AM, which is part of a new deal with Cromwell Media. Norman Jordan, he is from Etowah. Is that, is that how you pronounce it, Norman? Etowah. Etowah, Tennessee, in, in East Tennessee, where he played high school ball at McMinn Central, lettering in three sports, football, basketball, and baseball. He was also named an honorable mention All-American, choosing head coach Fred Pancoast in Vanderbilt over Harvard and Florida State. He played running back at Vanderbilt from 1979 to 1982. He played under coach George McIntyre in 1979 after the departure of Fred Pancoast, and then Watson Brown in 81 and 82. And many Vanderbilt fans, you know, of, of, of generations past will remember the 1982 Hall of Fame Bowl in Birmingham. Norman caught 20 passes for 173 yards and three touchdowns to break five Hall of Fame records. Norman, that's, uh, you know, that's got to be one of the best bowl game performances from out of a Vanderbilt player yet. Uh, Norman, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on The Door Report. Oh, thanks for having me on, Billy. No, you got it. And, and Norman, I know this is just such an unprecedented time. We got college football coming up. Uh, I know, you know, knowing how, how much of a football, you know, nerd and, and fan you are, I know you watch Austin P in Central Arkansas last weekend. We'll have more games uh, coming up, you know, this weekend and, and the weekends to come. How did it feel to, to finally sit back and, and watch a college football game? 
well, you don't realize how much you miss a sport till it's gone. And all sports were gone there for a while. I found myself, I've never in my life, but I found myself watching a NASCAR race just because there was competition mm-hmm. and enjoying it. And so, you know, I think people are really missing the sports end of it. And hopefully we'll get started back and get to see some good football. I got to ask you now with, you know, with Joe Fisher being your partner now in the radio booth, uh, you know, on West End and, and obviously you guys travel into to SEC venues, you know, all over the South and even, you know, you've been able to go to Notre Dame as well. What's it been like, you know, learning under Joe Fisher and, and really just being up there in the booth with him and and, and calling football games, you know, the, the sport both of you guys love? Oh, Joe's fun to work with. I mean, he's, he's uh, consummate professionally, does a great job. Uh, I, I've told him he can never get sick because there's no way in the world that I could do play-by-play. <laughs> I think I tried once during the uh, Texas Bowl. Joe had stepped out, and they came back early, and then I think I had something really sharp, like uh, Joe stepped out of the booth for a minute, and he'll be right back. <laughs> uh, it'll be a disaster if he ever drops over. <laughs> hey, we know uh, we're in good hands you know, with, with Joe Fisher now, but I, I'm sure it wouldn't be too bad. Will, you got one? Yeah. All right. So, as Billy mentioned, you played between 1979 and 1982. So, I'm, I'm going to ask about one season in particular. I bet you can guess which one it is. Um, 1982. What was that? That's, I, w- I would guess it'd be 82. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would, you would be dead on. Correct. <laughs> uh, so, that, you know, that was a really special season for the Doors. Um, it was actually the last bowl game that they uh, went to until 2008 under Bobby Johnson, as you remember. And the last time that they beat Tennessee until 2005. So, what was that season like? Um, and and kind of what was the uh, mood around that team, considering that it was breaking so many barriers and boundaries that Vanderbilt teams have faced in, in recent years. Well, we knew from the year before. I think we'd gone four and seven, and we knew from the year before that we were pretty good. We certainly knew we were good offensively. Uh, we didn't know how we would be the next year, and we came back and. After about three or four games, we were looking around the locker room going, hey, we're, we're pretty good. And it kind of built upon itself. And I think probably the breakthrough game was Florida when we beat them. If memory serves, 31-29. to 29. They're a really good football team uh, offensively and defensively. And we beat them. And I, I think after that, we really felt like that's when we really went on a run. Yeah, Norman, I want to go here now, you know, obviously with, with the changing landscape of college football, obviously when you played, it was a lot different. You know, we, I think a lot of when we have guys like you on, I love to kind of pick your brain about that topic. So what are some of the elements, you know, from back when you played that, that sometimes, you know, when you watch a game, you sort of miss that, you know, it, it's just it's not there anymore, you know. And, but but what are some also improvements that you saw maybe from the involvement of when you played and now into today's game, you know, with you still watching uh, college football? Well, I think it's a safer game than it was uh, when I played. Uh, certainly the changes and leading with your head and all that, it, it's good for football. It's good for the health of the players afterwards. Uh, certainly no, we don't need as many concussions as we used to get back in the day. So that, that's a big improvement. What do I miss? Um, you know, I think by and large it's still the same game, but I, I think we played more in the – line offensive line than than they do now you know mm-hmm. it's such a pass oriented game now uh and, and i get it and i think it's great and i really enjoy it and we were a pass oriented team but by and large you know back in that day you would 
look and here comes Herschel uh, turn and toss to Herschel and he comes running at you and it's uh, a world of hurt. So I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit now. Um, you played under Watson Brown, is that correct? Yeah, Watson was our offensive coordinator in 81 and 82. Okay. So this is more for my own personal kind of curiosity. So Watson Brown has some really interesting connections to, to my life. <laughs> um, his brother actually was the – he recently did pass away, but he was a um, TSSAA Hall of Fame baseball coach and actually the principal at the high school that I went to. And, and Watson Brown actually coached at the university that I attended from – he coached there from 2007 to 2015. So kind of what was he like? Um, and what, what was kind of his offensive philosophy, for lack of a better way to ask that question? Yeah, no, I think uh, great question. Watson, uh, when, when I played, uh, my best friend was Whit Taylor, our quarterback, and when we got through with class, we would go over to Madukin Center and just sit around in Watson's office and talk football or talk life or whatever. He was always as much a friend as he was a coach. Uh, his offensive philosophy was way ahead of its time. I mean, there were some teams doing it out on the West Coast, but it was uh, pretty much doing things that nobody was doing, and that was read on the run and, and change your pattern according to what the defense is doing. And it really – it had people scratching their heads because nobody – if we saw that as a blitz, it would change the pattern. If we saw it was man-to-man, it would change the pattern. If we saw it was uh, whatever zone, it would change the pattern. And we were doing that, and it – a lot of the defensive coordinators uh, still didn't know what we were doing. So now we'll fast forward to another offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. Um, so have you had the chance to speak with or, or form an opinion of the two new coordinators, Todd Fitch and Ted Roof, that have been brought in on Derek Mason's staff? Uh, I have not because of all the, the protocol and everything, but I, I look forward to getting to know them. I know uh, – Todd's had a, a successful career everywhere he's been, and, and Ted, I think he'll fit in perfectly uh, as a defensive coordinator. You know, certainly it's going to be tough when, when your head coach is as much a defensive coach as, as Derek is, uh, but Derek's also one of the best defensive coaches in the country, so anybody that's going to work under him is going to wind up being a better coach for it, and he's coming back with quite a few good players, I think, this year. Norman, I want to ask you now about, uh, you know, mentioned Coach Mason with, I mean, he's got the, on the defensive side, you're right about the depth there. Dimitri Moore just opted back in after opting out because of COVID concerns. In terms of, you know, we'll talk a lot about the season a little bit later, but in terms of sort of the, the trajectory of this program, you know, you've been here, what, three years calling Vanderbilt games? Can't keep up. I think it's fourth. Yeah, fourth year. So, you know, you've been there with Coach Mason, uh, you know, broadcasting the games with Joe Fisher. With Coach Mason, what's the trajectory looking like? You know, is it, it, it's probably not going up. I know you're probably, probably not going to say that, but would you say it's more of a plateau or, or, you know, it's going down and, and there's some concern there with the fans? Well, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it. That last year was a disappointment for all of us. Uh, we we certainly had, I would argue, the best running back that that the school's ever seen with with Keyshawn, uh, and he had a good year. But I mean, everybody knew we got to stop him. You're coming back with a quarterback that had a lot of reps, but they weren't at Vanderbilt. And you had uh, two really good receivers, so. You know, I think uh, to wind up with three wins was a disappointment. 
not a disaster, but if you look at the team coming back, I mean, they've certainly got the people to do it. It's, you know, who's going to step up and who's going to become the star and who's going to, more importantly, who's going to become the leader of the team on both sides of the ball. Norman, I, I gotta, I gotta ask you again about you know the facility. That's it's been, uh, and obviously with football, you look at the Vanderbilt athletic department. Baseball is in pretty, pretty darn good shape with Tim Corbin. Basketball, you know, they'll, they'll have typically, you know, they, they have solid facilities. You look at football. I mean, it's not easy to say that they don't have the the proper facilities to compete with the elite teams in the SEC. So, from your point of view, Norman, what kind of facility improvements do you think the program needs at this point? And 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 I know you know it's it's always hard to talk about that because you know with with Alabama they need a lot, but say with the middle tier of that SEC to 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 get back to respectability when James Franklin once had them, what what has to happen? Well, I. I'm not trying to skirt the question because I really haven't given it that much thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly the smallest stadium in the league, and uh, it's kind of embarrassing to show up on Saturday with an SEC game, and it's two-thirds filled with the opponent's colors. So, I mean, that, that's kind of hard as a fan. As a player, I never saw it as being that big a deal. Uh, you know, you can fill that stadium up. It's just go out there and win some ball games, and, and Nashville will catch fire for Vanderbilt. It's you know, put a good team out there and let them go out and win some ball games and play good, exciting football, and everybody can go again. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you've experienced that in 1982. I've always said um, when people discuss about stadium upgrades and if we just upgrade this part of the stadium, more people will come and. I've always said that you could pretty much, with you have a winning team on the field, you could make everybody sit on milk crates and they would come into the stadium to watch. So I, I completely agree well, with that. Well, the stadium is actually smaller than, than it was in 1981 by, I don't know, a couple thousand seats mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's essentially the same stadium. I think uh, it was 81 when we opened it as a new stadium. And so, you know, they've done some upgrades and things like that, but – yeah, and and you mentioned Nashvillians. That, that's the thing with Vanderbilt fans. A lot of the fans that, that were fans of James Franklin weren't even Vandy fans. They were citizens of Nashville going to a football game against between Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, and and they're going there to have fun because it's good college football. So, and Coach Mason, I, I gotta admit, isn't there. You know, he's not really there. He doesn't have control of the city like like Coach Franklin does. So. Um, you know, heading into a little bit more of this this season now, Norma, with a little bit of a preview, what kind of challenges does a season as un- unprecedented as this one present to Coach Mason and that staff? Because with, with the O-linemen that have opted out, you know, even a couple other skilled players have opted out or, or, or transferred, what are the challenges and, and, and what, what can Coach Mason do to make the most of this season? Well, I, I think the, the primary challenge is to have somebody step up, some bodies step up as the leaders of the team. Good leadership. There's really no limit to what what can be done. Uh, I, I think last year people had a hard time stepping up to that leadership role, and this year somebody's going to have to step up and take it. And then you also you put these players out on the field, and you can practice all you want, but you don't know who can do what until game time. And then all of a sudden you got some guy that didn't practice real well, but he's out there playing lights out. So, you know, I think we got to find out who are the go-to guys and, and get the ball to them. And, you know, offensively, I've never seen any reason to run a play. If you couldn't run it perfectly 90% of the time, don't even run the thing. 
So just, you know, you can keep it simpler. You're not going to overpower anybody, but uh, when you're throwing the football, there's always openings in, in the defensive backfield. So, you know, it can be done, and we've seen, certainly seen Derek take limited defensive uh, standouts and have great defenses. We had a couple of years there where we felt like, you know, if the defense didn't score, we might go without any points at all. Mm-hmm. And they might hold the other team without scoring. So yeah. you put some really good defenses out there down through the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so flipping to the other side of the ball, the, the thought on pretty much every fan's mind, I don't know if you'll have you'll have a thought on this, but who is who, in your opinion, if you were a betting man and had to put some money down on it right now, will be taking the first snap uh, against Texas A&M and College Station for the, for the dual fours on hey, the 26th? Here we go. Well, you got you guys have been at as many practices as I've been at this year, so you've got as good a guess as I do. You know, it, it's, I think it's going to come down to who's the most consistent and who uh, steps in the huddle and has respect to the players. And I'm not trying to dodge it. You know, they, they've got some guys that can do that, but who can step up on Saturday and have the really good ball games and grade out well on Sunday morning with the grades and, and be a leader? And that's, that's what I think they've got to find. One more here, Norma, before I let you go, um, I, I got to ask you about a, a hot topic is offensive line for Vanderbilt. And, you know, me being a Vanderbilt football fan my whole life, Will, you know, same thing there. The the It's just always been a, a struggle for, you know, the running game. Keyshawn Vaughn, imagine if if, if he would have been, behind, you know, behind a, a, a little bit better O-line, how much better he could have been. And Kyle Shermer, you know, there's so many talented skill position players at Vanderbilt that they've that have come through and just haven't been able to produce maybe as much as they wanted to. So why is that from your perspective? I, you know, might be a tough question to answer, but why is that from 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 your point of view and maybe what what uh, kind of changes can they make to it? I, I don't think it's uh, that tough of a question to answer the, the uh actual execution of it is very tough. And that is, you're seldom going to get a kid come straight out of high school football that's ready to play offensive lineman at Vanderbilt, because those are usually the five-star guys that wind up at Alabama and Ohio State and the like. So you've got to develop these players as, as you go along. Uh, and frankly, it's I'm, I'm usually pretty stunned when somebody can come in and play in the offensive line as a starter, as a sophomore. Uh, you just got to get them in the weight room. You got to get them stronger. You got to get them uh, working as a cohesive team. And that's that's one thing I think people forget about. Yeah, I'm I'm worried too about the loss of offensive linemen. But also sometimes you get that combination. Chemistry is real important with an offensive line. And you get five guys in there that are your five best players. It may not be your best offensive line. Well, well, we'll see how Coach Mason figures out that offensive line. I heard We've heard some rumors about maybe some defensive linemen switching over to the offensive line. So, you know, it's going to be full of surprises, uh, we, we've heard on Twitter. So, you know, we'll see what kind of a season we have here on West End. Norman Jordan has been our guest. You can listen to him on the air uh, with Joe Fisher. The station is uh, – let's let's get that station up here, Norman. Uh, we're we're going to quiz you here. Um there we go. 93.3 FM, also on 8.30 AM, which is part of a new deal there with Cromwell Media. Norman, it was a pleasure having you here on The Door Report. Good luck this year with Joe Fisher, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll have a full season of football. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Norman.